2023. It's a smooth one. Come on, Donnie. Give it all you got. Give it all you got. Donnie boy. Donnie boy. It seems like here at the Trump Mafia headquarters, we get a bit of fan mail. I will actually, no, not fan mail. We, we just get listener mail. I'm not No one's a fan. And I have to say, I like to give these people a shout out and admit when I'm wrong or miss something. This week, I got a message from Marcus. And it reads, I've enjoyed your Trump Mafia podcast very much. Thank you, Marcus. Until the most current episode, Sunset Boulevard. Now I understand that not everybody is in the classic movies, but labeling Sunset Boulevard a dumb movie from the 1950s is not only ignorant, it makes me question the author's ability to objectively talk about the bigger themes surrounding Trump. Sorry, Marcus. I'll do better. First of all, this is still Marcus's email, Sunset Boulevard is an outstanding and for its time revolutionary movie that's rightfully and consistently listed among the best American movies of all time by film critics, filmmakers, and historians. The fact that Trump adores it It doesn't mean he values cinematic art. He obviously has no clue what the movie really is about. And that is the fascinating part of his obsession with this film. This is great stuff, Marcus. Yes, the parallels between Norma Desmond and Trump are creepy, but she's a sad and tragic figure who ends up killing the young screenwriter, admirer she keeps in her house. Plot twist. The movie ends with Norma Desmond being driven to a fake film set, so she thinks she's finally making another movie while the police are waiting for her on the other end. Wow, this is prophetic, Marcus, prophetic. Why would Trump admire a psychotic, deranged diva who's no longer wanted by anyone who ends up in prison? She's based on Trump's logic, a big-time loser. I mean... What Trump sees or not sees in this film is telling us more about his deranged, narcissistic psyche than all of his tweets, rambling speeches, and embarrassing interviews. I'd say neither the New York Magazine article nor the Washington Post piece have been able to truly unravel this misery. Fascinating and sad. Well, Marcus, that was well said and a brilliant analogy and terrific examination of how the mainstream media missed the talking points on the film. I admit, I'm not an old Hollywood film buff. But man, oh man, you nailed it, brother. I missed that nuance. So with that, I humbly thank you, Marcus. Please send more mail. I appreciate it. So I guess Marcus brings up a good point and something I'd like to examine here on the podcast, and that is the many insane, at times, think pieces of mainstream journalism that covers politics. Who has the time to parse through so much information? And who should we all be listening to? At times, I listen to 
Joe Rogan, and Rogan said something last week that I appreciate. To watch or read the news these days, a lot of these platforms lack the ability to just have a normal common sense conversation. Or a conversation you would have sitting around someone's living room. Let's be honest. If Rachel Maddow showed up at your party and she talked like she did on air, you'd think she was fucking mental, right? I'm in constant motion and searching for ideas and articles that are driving our conversations or hidden gems that I can talk about here or give my own humble analysis. And with that is a full ingestion of what is becoming a fractured news and media business. Most of the younger generations are more apt to gravitate towards social media to get their news from Instagram or TikTok or Twitter. And I would hope that the Trump Mafia audience is a, a tad more sophisticated bunch who actually seek out good info or original info or sourced info or information that challenges the status quo. With this latest batch of mail from listeners, I also know I gotta keep sharp. And the Trump story, well, let's be honest, for the last few months, it's been moments of immense, startling news leaks balanced out with this idea that the Trump train maybe is losing steam or gas. But I keep staying somewhere in the middle here because what we have all done collectively over the course of the last few years is underestimate the power of a carnival barker to capture the attention of the majority of America. We all should be shaking our heads that we still can have these conversations about Trump and the narrative continues. I get a sense yet again right now is the calm before the storm. A quiet period before sheer lunacy grips our political spectrum again. But with that in mind, let me run down some of the media and political trends I'm seeing, feeling, or hearing as we start the year. So I feel like this week was the first real week where people are really starting to get comfortable in 2023. So let the madness begin. It was hard not to be fixated on the drama that unfolded in the House of Representatives this week, where the Republican Party had a nervous breakdown in full public view. This crisis was entirely of the party's own making. For decades, it has whipped its base into a righteous fury by promising radical policies that offer emotional satisfaction to their hardline constituents. From rolling back Medicare and Social Security to defaulting on the national debt to eliminating whole government agencies. But because these policies are totally unworkable, they never happen. The lesson that the base has internalized is that it was constantly being betrayed by cowardly moderates. The solution now is to maintain a permanent vice grip on the speaker, ensuring that he will always do what the hardliners want. This is, as many have noted, a recipe for permanent blackmail and constant chaos. First up, I get anxiety just thinking about a Republican-controlled house and this whole rodeo fuck circus of the Kevin McCarthy saga was a story that I think defines the Republican Party already in 2023. 
a party that in some circles is trying to get away from Trump, yet a party where guys like Matt Gatz, Andy Biggs, Bob Good, or that lady, Lauren Boebert, could act like political terrorists and hold the whole country hostage, basically. This Republican-led House is going to be interesting, to say the least. And by the way, whatever happened to that whole hooker and human trafficking story around Getz? It seemed to just evaporate from the press, or did I miss something? That guy reminds me of someone you would run into at a Fort Lauderdale strip club with a pair of boat shoes and a fucking turtleneck on. The House will be in order. For the first time in a century, a candidate for House Speaker failed to win enough votes on the first ballot. A Speaker has not been elected. With some conservatives saying they don't trust the GOP leader and believe he represents the status quo. Maybe the right person for the job of Speaker of the House isn't someone who wants it so bad. Another story on my radar is this craziness in Brazil. Did you see that? 1,200 people were detained after storming the Capitol in support of ex-president Bolsonaro. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? It goes to show you how much Trump and his crew really inspired some dickheads across the world and how the far right is showing, well, fuck it. If we get voted out, let's just cause domestic terror. I'm curious to see what the next version of this is. I'll be very curious also to see how the new president of Brazil handles this madness. Hopefully, better than we did here. More than 1,000 people have been detained after the riots at key government offices took place in Brazil. Supporters of former President Bolsonaro stormed the buildings, including Congress, yesterday. It was an attempt to topple the government that resembled the January 6th insurrection that, of course, happened here two years ago. Today, Bolsonaro said that he has been discharged from a Florida hospital after abdominal pain. He wasn't in Brazil to begin with. And President Biden is now facing mounting pressure from fellow Democrats to extradite him back home. In a sign that our gun laws continue to remain rock solid, a teacher was shot at a school by a six-year-old kid in Newport News, VA. Yes. You heard that right. Six years old, not 16. Not that that's any better, but let me understand this again. The fuck does a six-year-old get a gun? I'd love a comment from the NRA and some Republican leaders as they continue to fuck around with gun legislation in our country. Now, this story was buried below the fold in most news organizations as maybe the fact checkers thought it was reported in error a first grader shot a teacher. I'm trying to picture my little nephew taking a gun and using it, but I guess in this day and age with the way that they play with the iPads and the PlayStation and whatever the fuck, I guess that might become normal. So kudos to the second amendment that old right to bear arms. Stand by that, keep standing by that guys. Sounds, sounds fucking smart. Police in Virginia trying to figure out how a six-year-old got a hold of a loaded gun and shot his teacher. This happened inside of a first-grade classroom. Fox News correspondent Christina Coleman has that story. 
The teacher, Abigail Zwerner, is now listed in stable condition after suffering life-threatening injuries from that shooting. Police say a six-year-old shot her with a handgun in a first-grade classroom Friday afternoon at Richnick Elementary School in Newport News, Virginia. It's unclear exactly what led up to the shooting, though police do say this was an isolated incident and that some sort of altercation took place. The altercation was between a six-year-old, the, the student uh, who did have the firearm, and the teacher, and then a round was fired. Um, like I said, she suffered a, a gunshot wound and has been transported to the hospital. That's where my thoughts and prayers are at right now. We need to keep the guns out of the hands of our young people. Um, this is evidence today that, 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 that these are the things that happen when we have access to weapons. Police say this was not an accidental shooting. It's unclear how the six-year-old boy gained access to a loaded gun. The devastating incident, of course, rocking the community. And last but not least, I was thinking today, Dare I say, the start of this year has been calm? I mean, other than these Republican morons in Washington and their petty bullshit. Dottie, oh Dottie, where are you? What are you doing? Who is running your comms team these days? Your PR? You need some juice, you need some momentum, Dottie. Are you at least playing scratch golf yet? You hitting that eight iron downwind? What are you doing? You can't just sell NFTs, buddy. There's an election to ramp up for. Is this quiet period of your choosing, buddy? Wherein you are in your battle fort preparing another splash of insanity that the droids at CNN and MSNBC will eat up and you yet again will be in the news cycle? What are your lawyers saying? And how much is that tab? Give me something, Donnie. Give me anything. Anything, Donnie. For a second, it seemed like Donald Trump was about to sit this one out. He had endorsed Congressman Kevin McCarthy for House Speaker back in December, but after three losing votes on Tuesday, Trump started to sound like a guy with cold feet. He told NBC News last night, quote, I got everybody calling wanting my support. That's, that's all I can say, but we'll see what happens. We'll see how it all works out. Now, sometime between Trump's Kevin who, I got everybody calling me, and sunrise this morning, Donald Trump had a change of heart. And he released this effusive post on Truth Social. Trump said that some, quote, really good conversations had taken place and that it was time to vote for Kevin, close the deal, take the victory. And there you have it. Members of the MAGA movement who ran on an ideology that Trump himself perfected have decided he's a non-factor in the Republican Party that Trump fashioned in his own image as they hold the House hostage. Do, do, do.